Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Take a second and just kind of take a step back and say, okay, Lord, where am I? Where am I with you? Who do you say that I am? Because you took a Jacob, a deceiver, and you turned him into Israel, governed by God. Lord, what, what name do you have for me? What new identity is there for me? Maybe I've forgotten it. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you're starting to believe those lies that get whispered into your ear, and you've forgotten what he said about you. You've forgotten the identity that he's placed on you, that maybe you're his son or you're his daughter, and that you're loved and that you're cared about. If you ever forget who you are, God will show up when you least expect it and say, don't you remember who you are? Remember what I've done for you. Do you remember how I see you? I see you as a son, a daughter, my child. I love you and I care about you. God will transform you and make you new. He needs you to be a part of his kingdom work. When you're unsure, take a step back and say, okay, Lord, where am I with you? Who do you say that I am? Remind me of my identity in you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 32 with part two of his message, Who Are You? So context-wise, Jacob wrestling with who I believe is Jesus, okay? Uh, Before you even get to this point, just so you're aware of what's going on, Jacob has been on the run his entire life. He comes from, yeah, it's a really sweet family. To to have your dad as Isaac and your grandfather is Abraham, that's a pretty cool thing. But it doesn't mean that you're going to grow up absent from struggle, right? I don't care who your family is. It doesn't mean that you're going to live this life free of trouble, right? He grew up in this family, tremendous family. The promise of God has been placed, uh, given to Abraham and then carried on down to Isaac. And now it's being passed over to Jacob. But he grew up in this household where his dad, Isaac, and his mom, Rebecca, they loved their sons, but they chose favorites within their family. If you know anything about the story, Jacob was loved by his mother And Esau was loved by his father. Now, it doesn't mean that his dad didn't love him, but his dad preferred Esau. And anytime you choose and you pick favorites within your family, everyone loses. Everyone loses. Even in this awesome family that's been chosen by God to do a tremendous thing, sin gets in this and it can wreck things. And so there's this internal struggle going on. There was even a struggle inside the womb. Jacob and Esau, they're twins. And even when Esau came out, he was the first one out. But Jacob was holding on to his ankle. And they're like, that's a heel catcher right there. That's Jacob. That's how he got his name. He constantly was just competing with his brother and trying to get one up on his brother, even at birth. Jacob was promised the birthright that would naturally go to the oldest son. But God told his mom and his dad as well, the birthright is going to go to the younger. The older shall serve the younger. So even in that story where Jacob gets the birthright from Esau for a bowl of beans, basically, that was unnecessary. But this is Jacob. And I'm trying to identify for all of us his character. This is how he worked. He was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. This is how he was, even from the beginning. And then we all know the story where he stole the blessing from his brother. 
His dad is getting you know, up there in age and his, his eyesight is going out and he can't really see that well. And Jacob's mom's like, listen, I'm going to dress you up. I'm going to put some animal skin on you. That's gross. Um, I'm going to make you hairy because your brother Esau literally means hairy. We got to dress you up when you got to smell like him. You got to feel like him. All for what? So we can trick your dad. So we can trick your dad into giving you the blessing that would go to Esau. This is mom's idea. Jacob goes right along with it. And he lies to his dad multiple times. Yes. And his dad had asked him that same question. Hey, who, who are you? Are you really Esau? You sound like Jacob. Are you really Esau? No, I'm Esau. I promise. I'm Esau. I pro- I, I, and he brings God into this lie as well. I'm, I'm Esau. This is who he is. This is his character. This is what he was known for. And as soon as that event happened, Esau comes in. And he knows what happens, and he, he understands that he just got one up again by his little brother. And he tells his little brother, as soon as dad is dead, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. As soon as our dad dies, you're a dead man. And so Jacob runs. His mom sends him on his way. The sad, sad thing about that story is Jacob's never going to see his mom again. She's going to pass away before he even comes back. You see how sin can mess up stuff? He didn't have to do that stuff. He didn't have to lie to his dad. He didn't have to do any of that stuff. But that's part of his character. That's part of who he is. So he goes on a run, and he runs back to where his mom's from so he can find a bride. And he's gonna, he ends up with two of them, like I said. He ends up with two because his uncle is just like him, a deceiver. Sneaks in Leah instead of Rachel. And then he works some more for Rachel. He spends 20 years with his uncle working there, and he learns from the master, so to speak. And then he one-ups his uncle, and then he runs away from his uncle. And that's where we find him in, verse, in chapter 32, as he gets to this point where he, he's about to go back into the promised land that God had promised to him, but he, know he, he knows he has to confront his past, and his past is his brother. You can't go into this promised land without dealing with your past, Jacob. Your brother's going to know you're there. You might as well just get it over with. So he's going back, and that's the, that's the first 21 verses of, of chapter 32, is him sweating over this thing because he's got to go back. He's got to confront his brother. The last thing his brother told him was, you're a dead man. Now, his dad's still alive at this point in time, but his brother is probably still angry with him. So in that first 21 verses, we get this really cool insight, this window into Jacob's heart of what's going on inside there, and he's stressing like crazy. He does pray. I want to give him some credit. He does pray, but then he does exactly what I do when I'm stressed out. I'll go to the Lord. Sometimes it's afterwards, right? Sometimes it's like after all my plans don't work. But he goes to the Lord first, and he prays to God. He's like, God, you have to show up. You got to do something. You got to do something. And then as soon as he says amen, he goes back to trying to solve his own problems. He's going to fix it, right? He's got his own plans. He's got his own ideas. Okay, if this happens, then, you know, then, then I got this backup plan where I can run away. I'll send my servants. And if Esau starts killing the servants, then that, that's going to give me and my family enough time to get out of town before he kills us. And he really puts himself at the end of that line just to really show you where he's at. Servants and all the stuff first. Then his wife and kids, and then himself. Just in, ca- just in case his brother's still angry and wants to kill him. He's got to go through all those people before he gets to Jacob. That's what his thinking was. Pretty selfish man, I think. 
But as he's stressing out about this, he, he, he sends them all ahead and he gets word back that, hey, Esau is coming to meet you. And oh, by the way, he's got 400 trained soldiers with him. I think he's happy you're here. No, not at all, right? You got 400 trained soldiers with you. You're coming to handle business. You're not on good terms. He's not there to brag to his brother about, look what I've done. No, he's like, no, I'm here to take you out. But something happens on the journey. See, Jacob prayed to God, and God answered his prayer. But Jacob wasn't trusting in God, and Jacob went immediately to his own understanding and trying to plan this thing out, figure this thing out. It's not going to work. So that's where we get to verse 22. Jacob's been stressing all night, then he, he sends out, you know, he divides his camp. Then he, 22, it says, he rose at night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons. They crossed over the ford. He took them and he separated himself from those guys. So he's all by himself. He's all by himself. And sometimes it's good for us to get alone so we can be alone with God. And it's the darkest part of night. He's there. He's all by himself. And he's thinking, I'm just going to get some rest because that's what I need. Stress levels are really high. What I need is just some sleep. What he didn't expect was Jesus to come in a la Hulk Hogan style, ripping off his shirt. Bruce Buffer's there saying, let's get ready to rumble. Like, Jacob's not ready for a wrestling match. I hope you understand that. When he prayed for Jesus to show up in his life or for God to come and show up in his life, he was praying, like, can you please just show up and tell me everything's going to be okay? Can you, like, hug me? And pat me on the head and say, don't worry about it, Jacob. Everything's going to be cool. Remember the promise. You'll be all right. Yeah, he's going to be all right. What he wasn't anticipating was that Jesus showed up to wrestle. He can show up and hug you when he needs to. He'll show up and embrace you when he needs to, when you need that from him. But there are times where Jesus is going to show up in your life and he wants to wrestle with you. You need to understand that and you need to be okay with that. Because through that comes blessings. Through that can come blessings. See, that's probably not the picture you have of Jesus, is it? Right? The European Jesus, the blonde hair, the blue eyes and stuff. Now, I envision Jesus like he's ready to rumble. He's a good, he's like a good father who likes to wrestle with his kids, develops character. So that's where he's at. He sends everybody away. He's there by himself. This man, as it says, the man wrestled with him until the break of day. Jacob was a very stubborn man, just like me. My wife's back there. She's nodding her head because she agrees. There's no one more stubborn than I am. Uh, and I'll fight you on No, I won't do that. Um, I'm that stubborn. Uh, no, I'm super stubborn, and it's a pride issue. Listen, I know that. I've been wrestling with that for a long time. But Jacob is wrestling with him all night long. Shows how stubborn he is. Gets to the point where the sun is beginning to rise. And, and I want you to understand this about this text. When it says that he didn't prevail, it's not like Jesus couldn't beat Jacob. I hope you don't get that from that text. He could have touched his hip socket at the very beginning. He wanted to wrestle with Jacob. And he needed to get Jacob to the point where he knew and he understood, you can't beat me. Jacob, I don't care how clever you are. I don't care how many people you deceived, how many people you one-upped in your life. You will not beat me. And I'll let you exhaust yourself until you get to that point where you finally surrender and where it clicks in your brain, I can't beat this guy. I can't beat this guy. He will bring you to an end of yourself because that's where he needs us, where we're just done, surrendered. So all day, then the, to the breaking of the day, verse 25 says, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and, and his hip was out of joint, dislocated. 
as he wrestled with him. Jacob is still continuing to hold on with all his might. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob responds to him. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, there's other cross-references towards this, this instance where it says that Jacob, is, he's been brought to tears. He is defeated. And he is clinging to this man, who, again, I believe is Jesus. He is clinging to him desperately, saying, I can't let you go. I can't let you go. You've broken me of everything. You've broken me of everything that, that I once held as my confidence. I can't let you go until you bless me. And he held on to him. And here's the fascinating part of this whole story. Verse 27, he says to him, who are you? Not just what's your name. He knows his name. He also knows his character. He's not asking so that he can gain an understanding of who he's been wrestling with. Jesus is asking the question so that Jacob can gain an understanding of who he is. See, when God showed up in the garden and Adam and Eve were playing the worst game of hide and go seek, God didn't ask, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you guys? Because he couldn't find them. The question was asked because he wanted them to realize that they were separated from him. See, God can show up in our lives and he'll say, hey, who are you? He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because he wants you to understand where you're at. He's always working on us, guys. We're his masterpiece, his workmanship. It's, it's just continual work that's happening within our lives. And every so often, he's going to show up in our lives and he's going to say, hey, do you remember who you are? Are you believing the lies that get whispered in your ear? Those things reminding you of your past, all the mistakes, all the junk, all the stuff that happens to you. It happens to me. And praise God, he knows how to show up and say, hey, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember what I've done for you? Don't you remember how I see you? The new identity I've given to you? The transformation? I, he's working on us. So he shows up in Jacob's life and says, what's your name? He shows up in our lives as well. I hope and I pray that he has shown up within your life. And he's asked you that same question, and you have responded like Jacob. Jacob tells him, very simply, Jacob. What he means by that is this. I'm Jacob. I'm the hill catcher. I'm the deceiver. I'm the runner. You touched my hip, and now I can't run anymore. That's who I am. You want to know who I am, God? This is who I am. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a con man. That's who I am. That's how I'm known by other people. That's what I know is true of myself. You want to know? That's who I am. For the first time in his life, he owns up to who he is. Nowhere before in this story, and in his story, do we ever see him owning up to it like we do right there. So who are you? Who are you? I can tell you who I am. I'm a kid who got saved at 19 years old. Just celebrated my 20-year high school reunion, 2018. Two major life events in my life. High school reunion, I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but I made it through high school, and I had something to prove, I had something to show for it. Um, I'm not the same guy I was in high school. Praise God for that. I got to go back and reconnect with some friends that I love dearly, 
and say, I'm a pastor now. And they're like, no way. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not many noble. Um, <laughs> that's the ones he chooses. Um, another thing that happened was I, I got connected with some family. My parents divorced when I was really young. Bad situation. Dad's an alcoholic and all that good stuff. Um, I probably like would be voted least likely to be standing before you today speaking in front of you if you knew my background, if you knew what I've, what, what I've gone through in my life. Uh, the kid who would never speak now has to speak every single Sunday. Literally, I refuse to speak. My own brother didn't think I could speak for a while, so and now I have to do it every single Sunday. I get to do it every single Sunday. But I got to connect with some family that I hadn't seen in like 20-something years, 25-something years, all on my dad's side. And I get to show up to those guys and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You want to know why I don't drink? I stopped doing that my sophomore year in high school because I was so afraid to turn out like my dad. You want to know why I don't talk the way I, I just, man, God's given me a new tongue. And I don't speak like that anymore. I don't do those things anymore. Man, I love Jesus and I love people. And my family got to see that and they experienced that and they got to feel that. And it was the coolest thing ever. 2018, the, the latter half of 2018 was really sweet in that way. Amazing. Just part of the story for, for me and my journey for my family and I, we brought in two foster kids into our house. Um, just nuts what the Lord's doing within our lives. We have this word, and it's a good word, and we have this truth that's found in there that Jesus can show up in our lives, and he can transform us, and he can make us new. And even for somebody who's been walking with him for 20 years, I can see that, you know what, he's still, he's still making me new. He's still working on me. And I'm excited for a new year, for new opportunities. Part of my plan and my goals is I'm, I know where my dad is, and I'm going to go and find him. And, sell, and I get to stand before him and say, hey, listen, I forgive you for everything all because of Jesus. I hold nothing against you. I have no more bitterness in my heart towards him. None. Simply because Jesus has given me a new heart. When I was 19, he took this kid. He showed up in my life. It was, it was, I was all by myself in Colorado, not where I'm from. No offense. No offense. Um, <laughs> Denver, they got shirts on. Um, but I was all by myself out there, and I had this realization. Jesus showed up. I bought a Bible. And I started reading this thing because I was going to Bible college. Um, yeah, I got accepted to Bible college, and I had no relationship with Jesus at all. Okay, so it was Southern California, and I needed to get there because there's beaches out there. And I had heard from the Beach Boys that there's pretty girls out there. So I was like, sign me up. It's cheap, too. It's only two-year college. Let me, you know, I'm going. And uh, Jesus got a hold of my heart before he sent me out to Bible college. Praise God for that. Um, so I started reading his word, and then there was just one night where he showed up in my room. And I was just broken. And I knew. I knew. I mean, it was as clear as day. If I die, I'm going to hell. And I deserve it. And I said, right then and there, I just broke down. I'm crying. And I don't cry a lot. I'm not an emotional guy. Um, but I just, I'm weeping. I'm just crying. And I said, and I said this to Jesus. I said, listen, this book says that you love me and that you died for me, and that you rose from the grave. I believe everything that you say in here. And I'm the most skeptical person. And I said, listen, I will follow you for the rest of my life. 
Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go there. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. You have me. I waved the white flag. I surrendered. I was like, I'm done fighting. I'm done wrestling. He broke me that night. And it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. To be broken by Jesus. So I could be used by Jesus. That's what Jacob is encountering here. He is broken by him so that he can be used by him. So that he has all of Jacob. The end of this story goes like this. Esau does come out to meet Jacob, but something happens. Remember the prayer he prayed. Something happens with Esau because he's not there to fight with his brother. He actually runs and embraces his brother and falls on his neck, and there's, there's crying. Jesus intervened. Jacob was stressed out for no reason. You said your prayer. You should have just had a good night of sleep. But he's so worried about it. But he had that awesome wrestling match with, with God, and, and he's broken by that. And, and my encouragement for you guys this morning is, is you're setting your goals. You, you, got your, you got your goals and all that good stuff. And what I would encourage you guys to do is this. Take a second and just kind of take a step back and say, okay, Lord, where am I? Where am I with you? Who do you say that I am? Because you took a Jacob, a deceiver, and you turned him into Israel, governed by God. Lord, what, what name do you have for me? What new identity is there for me? Maybe I've forgotten it. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you're starting to believe those lies that get whispered into your ear, and you've forgotten what he said about you. You've forgotten the identity that he's placed on you, that maybe you're his son or you're his daughter, and that you're loved and that you're cared about, and that you matter, that you actually matter here on this earth, and that his kingdom is still at work, and he is so gracious to involve us within that work, and he's saying, listen, I want you to be a part of my work. Maybe you've forgotten that. It's a good idea to take a second Take a step back and say, okay, Lord, remind me. Remind me. Remind me of who you are. Remind me of how you see me. No one loves you more than him. Nobody loves you more than him. Nobody knows of all your past stuff like Jesus does. But he stands there loving you, covering a multitude of sins. Man, nobody's more for us than than him. So why not go into a new year just, man, just passionate about like, okay, Jesus, where you tell me to go, I'll go. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do that. You won't be disappointed. It won't be easy. But you're never disappointed when you just surrender totally to Jesus and say, okay, I trust you. I trust you. That's what Jacob had to do. That's what I've done. That's what many of you guys have done in this room. But we need to remember that. We need to remember that commitment. So I leave you with that. Make your resolutions. Number one, hey, read your Bibles. Daily plan, you version. I do the Bible Project one because I love that one. It's got videos and stuff because um, reading is hard for me. Um, so, uh, but get, get into the Word of God. You got to draw closer to Him. You got to press into Jesus so that you can understand who He is. And the more you understand who He is, the better you'll understand who you are in Him. So you got to start with this thing. Make this a priority in your life. Spend more time with Jesus.
There's so much to learn from the pages of Genesis, but sadly, that's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad you've spent your time with us today and would like to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more of Pastor James Grizzle's teachings. Simply navigate to breadforthebroken.com and click on Teachings to access our archive. Feel free to share the teachings with your friends and family or post them to social media. We love it when we can share the good news of the gospel with anyone and everyone, and you are a part of that. While you're at our website, you'll be able to discover more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. Calvary Galveston isn't just another church in our city. We want to be a light for Jesus to all who enter through our doors. We love the Word of God, Jesus, the people of our church, and the people of our city. Do you live in Galveston or are you visiting soon? We'd be honored to meet you in person. Calvary Galveston gathers for Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. Not too early, but in plenty of time to start the week out with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed. Just come as you are. At our service, we search the scriptures for what God wants to teach us, and we spend time reflecting and celebrating Him through worship. Visit breadforthebroken.com for our address and to get more information. We're excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' teaching. Join us again next time to continue through Genesis and find hope and new life in Jesus.